Welcome to Sexplicit, a podcast which offers free, quality and up-to-date sexuality education. In this podcast series, I will be talking about sex and sexuality explicitly. No topic is too taboo and no question is inappropriate. This is a safe and educational space to explore your deepest curiosities. My name is Anissa Varese, I'm a clinical sexologist and this is Sexplicit. Welcome to another episode of Sexplicit. Today I'm going to talk about open relationships or consensual non-monogamy. Open relationships is something many people are talking about right now. And I see many people in my therapy room who have come to seek help either because they want to understand how to approach it or because it's gone very wrong. So here are some tips to help your relationship stay grounded. These tips and strategies are helpful regardless if you are in a monogamous relationship or in a non-monogamous relationship. When we talk about open relationships or consensual non-monogamy, the assumption is that most people are monogamous and a minority of people participate in polyamory or are non-monogamous. But let's pause and think about it for a moment. When we say most people are monogamous, I'm curious to know what we exactly mean by that. Because when we look at the statistics, a lot of people who say are in monogamous relationships and identify as monogamous, in fact participate in infidelity, which is not monogamy. So the question is, is the choice between monogamy and consensual non-monogamy or between infidelity and consensual non-monogamy. Extramarital affairs and infidelities are very common. Most estimates indicate that around 60% of men and 45% of women are willing to report that an affair has occurred sometime in their marriage or long-term relationship. Infidelity has two components. One is developing and acting in some manner on romantic or sexual feelings outside of your relationship agreements. And two is keeping it secret or actively lying about it. When I'm working with my clients after an infidelity, it often seems to me that the lies and deception cut even deeper than the extramarital romance and sex. In fact, many people, many of my clients tell me that's the case. So people tell me something like, it hurts that my partner developed feelings for someone else, but I think I could get over that. It's the betrayal that cuts deepest. Or how can I ever trust them again? I knew something was up and I asked and asked and eventually actually confronted my partner and they denied it over and over again. How can I ever trust him again? So many couples recover from their betrayal and successfully rebuild their relationships, especially those who seek support from a therapist, a counselor or friends and family. But what I find fascinating is that many people can recover from infidelity but not tolerate the idea of polyamory or open relationships, which is consensual. So if a person is in a situation that they're really having strong feelings for someone other than their partner, they have a choice to make. They could get a grip, make a decision not to act on it and follow through with integrity by remaining monogamous. 
or they could push the boundaries of their agreement and either edge towards infidelity or really dive right into the deep end with full-blown deception. But polyamory and consensual non-monogamy offers a third option. You can have a real conversation about it with your partner. Sometimes people ask me for my personal opinion. Is monogamy better or polyamory and consensual non-monogamy? Basically, I'm not a fan of deception, either as a human being or as a therapist. I really honor people who value transparency and personal growth enough to choose polyamory rather than choosing to go underground with infidelity. I also deeply honor people who choose monogamy and are in touch with their values and have the integrity to live up to their values and be the person they aspire to be, making good agreements and following through with them. I deeply honor relationships that the partners tune in what they want and how they're doing as things evolve throughout the years and update and renegotiate their relationship agreements to reflect changing circumstances, growth and interests. One of the main questions I get from people is why are people drawn to alternative relationship structures, for example to polyamory or consensual non-monogamy in general? There are many reasons people engage in consensual non-monogamy. The most common reason is that this is just the way they are. So for a lot of people, this is an orientation, an identity. Another reason is that when people are in a relationship which is not perfect in every single way, which by the way is almost all relationships, and they may have a super strong relationship with each other, and they don't want to end that relationships, but at the same time they have other needs that can be met by someone else, they may consider polyamory or consensual non-monogamy. And this can take so many different forms. For example, there are people who are asexual, one partner is asexual. There are sometimes one of the partners want to explore kink or they're really interested in kink and BDSM and the other person is not. Or it may be that one of the partners has a new awareness of their sexual orientation, for example, bisexuality, pansexuality. And these are some reasons why people open their relationships or pursue polyamory. So an example is that a couple is struggling with an extreme desire discrepancy and one partner wants frequent sex and the other one wants sex rarely or never. They still love one another and want to stay together for multiple reasons but the higher desire person is deeply frustrated and feels trapped. They may say, I don't want to leave my partner, but I don't want to be stuck in a sexless relationship for the rest of my life either. And the lower desire partner feels pressured, pestered, sad, guilty, or other emotions. And they may say, I want my partner to be happy and I can see the trap they're in. We signed on for a sexual marriage or a sexual long-term relationship and now I actually prefer a sexless marriage or a sexless relationship. I can see their pain and my lack of desire is hard on them. I want both of us to be happy and I don't want to have sex when it isn't what I want because neither of us are really enjoying this. But I also don't want to end this relationship. Because it's awesome, because we're in love, we appreciate and respect each other. 
So in circumstances like this, sometimes people choose to pursue polyamory or consensual non-monogamy. But as I said, the most common reason is an identity and orientation for most people. This is just the way they are. The next question that a lot of people ask is what do I or what do we need to do if we want to explore polyamory or consensual non-monogamy? Firstly, it's important to figure out what you want and why you want it. This is an important first step because sometimes people either go ahead with it because they're afraid to lose a partner. For example, I've worked with people that one of the partners really wanted to open their relationship and the other one, out of fear of losing their partner, agreed. And this can end up in very difficult and even disastrous situations where the couple and the people involved can get terribly hurt. Or sometimes a couple want to open up their relationship because their relationship is not working and they hope if they spice things up, it can save the relationship. And this view comes from the place that we have a problem, we don't know how to solve it ourselves, so we're going to create a pressure release valve so it will make it easier for us to be in a relationship with each other. However, in reality, what open relationships do is offer you more opportunities for conflict with more people. So if you have trouble communicating or dealing with conflict, open relationships are going to make that exponentially worse. Open relationships can offer a lot of opportunities for growth, love and fulfillment, but they are not a fix for dysfunctional relationships. If this resonates with you, I suggest you see a qualified therapist, a sexologist or a couple therapist to resolve those issues before pursuing polyamory or consensual non-monogamy. So as I said, the first step is identifying what you want and why you want it. And curiosity is a very legitimate reason too. Some people are just curious and that's absolutely fine. One thing to keep in mind is that there is no recipe for open relationships, just like there is not one for monogamous relationships. Of course, there are certain things you can do to minimize the risk of getting hurt or hurting others, but like any other human relationship, polyamory or open relationships are messy. You will inevitably make mistakes and experience uncomfortable feelings. But that's just part of being a human. And if we get time today, I will talk about when consensual non-monogamy is not working, what may be going wrong or maybe getting in the way. But in a nutshell, when things are not working, it's usually some aspects of the dynamics between the participants is not working, not the relationship structure itself. It's like when a monogamous relationship is not working, we usually don't say, oh, maybe there is something wrong with monogamy, or maybe monogamy is not for you. We don't say that. We usually get curious about the dynamics of the relationship, the context and other factors impacting that relationship. It's the same with polyamory and other types of open relationships. Once you have identified what you want and why you want it, then you need to consider whether you feel comfortable sharing that with your partner. This is usually helpful in identifying communication issues 
or sometimes even relationship issues. The goal here is to communicate about your own perspective as clearly, deeply and fully as possible, regardless of the reaction of the listener, of your partner. Of course, there are ways of expressing ourselves that are more likely to result in a defensiveness in the listener and there are ways to communicate that make it a lot easier for the other person to stay grounded and really understand what is being said. I recommend reading books about emotional literacy, emotional intelligence or working with a therapist to develop these skills because they are fundamental. Another important skill in any relationship but in particular in open relationships is the ability to self-regulate. Most people have never had the opportunity to get comprehensive education about self-regulation strategies or ways to help stay calm and get grounded during times of stress. Instead, most people have a large repertoire of punishing self-talks, self-blame, self-sabotage and self-hatred. For people who are in a relationship, what helps them deal with stress is usually co-regulation. So this means reaching out for a hug or telling your partner you're struggling and you need help or doing a joint pleasurable activity, be it sex or a beach walk. These are all co-regulation activities. But when you are in an open relationship and your partner is elsewhere and hopefully is having fun with someone else, you want to have strategies in place for self-regulation. Co-regulation is extremely powerful and it has the ability to heal deep and old wounds. But the downside of it is that you can't do it by yourself. You need a willing partner or friend and they need to be available all the time. So it's wonderful when it happens, but I think we all need to have access to techniques that make us feel happy and calm and grounded, even when we don't have someone else around us. Writing in your journal, meditating, going for a run, physical activities like dancing or yoga or taking a bath are examples of self-regulation. Basically anything that helps you feel calm and grounded is self-regulation. Another powerful self-regulation technique is intentionally changing thought patterns and self-talks. Negative self-talks. I have a worksheet which you can access and download on Relate Sexology website. You can go to the resources section and download. Um, it's called Identifying Thoughts and Feelings. I will also leave the link in the show notes. Self-regulation, like learning any other skill, can take time and practice. Another thing to consider when opening your relationship is that people think that they can keep their relationship the same and just add in other people. If you try to keep your relationship the same when you are exploring non-monogamy, you will most likely end up hurting people you want to explore with and hurting yourselves. Because open relationship is not monogamy plus other people. You are not adding extra toys. You are bringing in people who have their own wants, needs, history, hopes and dreams. And it's so unpredictable how we're going to interact with people we bring into our lives. 
So keep that in mind. Let's quickly talk about structure, relationship structures, because most people are not familiar with different relationship structures that exist or the options that may be available to them. Firstly, what I mentioned to my clients is that don't feel you have to fit in in any of these structures. You can design your own relationship. Relationships are as diverse and complex as the people who form them. So don't feel restricted by this list. Nevertheless, here are some examples of relationship structures in consensual non-monogamous relationships. A threesome. This is the most well-known form of open relationships. This is usually when a couple have sex with another individual. This relationship is mainly centered around sex and the needs of the couple and their relationship is primary to the other persons. Swinging. This means a couple engage only in casual sexual activity with other people, usually other couples. Polyamory. This type of relationship is centered around romance or longer term relationship arrangements and has many different forms. Some of these forms are primary secondary structure, which the needs of the primary relationship are put before the needs of any other relationships. There is non-hierarchical structure, which means no relationship has priority over the other and partners can engage in multiple romantic or longer term relationships. We also have solo polyamory where the person identifies as polyamorous and they make a decision about who they want to see and how they see them individually. And there are many other forms as well. If you are interested in learning more about polyamory, here are some books you can read. Polyamory by Martha Kalpi, Polysecure by Jessica Fern, and The Ethical Slut by Dossie Easton. I hope the information today was helpful for you. Thank you to those of you who have reached out, asked questions, and sent me comments and feedback. I really appreciate that, and I'd love to hear more. You can submit your anonymous feedback on Relate Sexology website in the podcast section. I look forward to hearing from you. We have come to the end of the episode. Do join me again for the next episode. Until then, it's goodbye for now.